Hello and thank you for tuning in to Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, who was born in September 2018. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby, now toddler, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in mum talk to be honest real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments wherever you may be thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation Nourish is a well-being app created by mums for mums, offering bite-sized calm and well-being at your fingertips. The app is an on-demand library of meditations, videos and quick reads across mindfulness, yoga nidra, psychology and much more, all tailored to the emotions and challenges we face as mums. It's a support team of well-being experts in your pocket who are all mums themselves who get it. Try Nourish to de-stress, restore and reboot and find more love, joy and calm in the chaos and pressures of modern mum life. Nourish was named App of the Day by Apple and is free to download and explore on iOS and Android. Check it out at thenourishapp.com. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk, Series 9, Episode 9. This week I am chatting with my dear friend Charlotte, who is a mum of two beautiful girls, about her experience of hyperemesis gravidarum, also known as HG, because I probably didn't say that right. Charlotte and I met when pregnant with our first girls through our local NCT group, and I remember her saying she had HG, but I never knew or understood just how debilitating and actually life-changing during pregnancy and beyond it can be. Charlotte shares her honest personal experience of HG with us today. I do hope if you are suffering yourself, you find comfort and support in Charlotte's words, or if you know of someone who is suffering, then you have, like me, learnt just what they may be going through. I will note that we talk about some very sensitive subjects within this podcast so please do refer to the show notes to see what topics that we do cover today during Charlotte's personal experience and of course if you find anything at all triggering or if you're suffering from HG yourself and this is a triggering rather than supportive chat please turn it off look after yourselves remember to look after yourself as a number one priority I'll see you on the other side so today you are sharing your personal experience of HG with us. Um, so first of all, from your knowledge and your experience and having talked to consultants, etc., etc., what is HG for people who are listening and have no idea what I'm talking about? So HG, or um, high premises gravidarum, which is quite tricky to say, but um, is when, from what I can understand, is when pregnancy sickness goes beyond the normal so when it starts to affect everything about day-to-day life and becomes almost too difficult to cope with on your own. So pregnancy sickness of any form is debilitating, um, but it's when it becomes just unbearable and you need that extra bit of help, mm. really. Um, and you had HG with your first and with your second as well. You were a month two um and obviously you have a a toddler and a little baby how old is your baby now so baby is just turned seven months seven oh my gosh and she's just started crawling right i know that's so cute that's so cute whole new level of exhaustion and um toddler is uh two years and four months i think yes oh i can't i can't believe they're almost two and a half I know. (laughs) That's crazy. Absolutely mad. So tell us, um, first of all, tell us your experience as a whole with HG. And if you can, um, you know, I don't don't necessarily want to separate the two pregnancies, but um, maybe you could touch on whether the second was worse than the first or the first worse than the second. And when it started and what treatment you required um, and what helped and what didn't, that kind of thing. Okay, so... With um, my first pregnancy, 
it was all very, very new. Um, we decided to book a last minute trip before babies to New York. Oh, yeah. So we went, we were flying off to New York and I remember thinking I was probably about six weeks pregnant and thinking, oh, I don't feel great, but maybe this is new. This is just pregnancy and maybe a bit of nerves about flying and things like that. And we were in New York for about five days and we were staying with my husband's best friend. And just remember feeling so unwell and thinking, I'm no good at this pregnancy. This is awful. Everything smelled horrendous. I just I just couldn't switch off from it at all. And just thinking, I just want to be at home. I feel really, really, really bad. Um, and the flight home being uh, unbearable, just constantly pacing the aisles, being sick in the toilets, just it's awful. Just wanted to be at home. And I remember walking through the doors when we got home and I don't think I stopped being sick for them for about 20, next 20 weeks or so. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Um, and the midwife came over about a week after we got home. She came over to do the um, the house visit, that initial booking appointment. And I remember her saying to me, no, this isn't normal. This is not. But it's so hard, isn't it? Because I know you've discussed on the podcast before, you don't talk to people. Mm-hmm. You don't tell people that you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. You can't say to people, is this what you experienced? Because everything was telling me, oh, no, you can't tell anybody you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so until she came over and she was like, no, this isn't normal. You should be able to get out of bed. You should be able to walk. You shouldn't be, every time you lift your head, you shouldn't be being sick. Um, I mean, the smell of our sofa was one of my biggest triggers. And I remember her, like, sitting in, in the lounge with her and thinking, oh, I can smell the sofa. This is so bad. And it was just a leather sofa. But... The smell of I can't smell it now. I'm sat in the same room. I've got no idea why it smelled so strong. Um, and but she just turned around and she said that this isn't normal. You need to go and see the GP and you need some help. This isn't right. Um, and I think the next day I saw the GP um, and he said no. This is this is HG. You're going to need some help. Um, and him prescribing medication and it took a little while to get the balance right with the medications. Um, was it a tablet form of medication, like a, just a pill that you took every day? or Yeah, so several pills a day, several different types of medication, and it was a big balancing act about finding the right ones. Some didn't agree with me, some made it worse, some made it slightly better, and then it was, it was I think, in the end, it was balancing different ones. Um, I then found the Pregnancy Sickness Support Charity, who I would 100% recommend to anybody who's struggling because they are just, they've just got all the knowledge um, and they can advise you with medication. And I was really, really lucky that my GP from the off was like, yep, this is what it is. We can sort this, we can help you. Um, But listening to and reading about other people, not everyone gets that support. Mm. Um, So that's when the charity can step in and really help you with that. Mm. Did you have to go into hospital at all? Yeah, so I was on IV fluids and um, IV drugs as well, um, blood thinning medication because I wasn't moving. Um, yeah, it's pretty rough. And you said about whether it was worse first or second time. It's really hard. First, I had no idea if it was going to get better, but I had nothing else to worry about. Mm. I had work I just got like my dream job um and so telling work that I had to stop was really really hard were they understanding really really understanding I was so lucky again reading other people's stories people aren't don't that was incredibly lucky both times that work were really 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 understanding um but you feel like you're letting people down Mm. like bad enough anyway isn't it I feel just taking maternity leave, you feel like you're letting people down a little bit. Mm. But when you know them for most, like a significant part of the pregnancy, you're going to be out as well. And the world goes on and work coped fine. And But you just feel like you're letting people down. And that was really hard as well when I was thinking about having another baby, knowing that there was a good chance that would happen again. That was quite tough. Um, but yeah, I think... 
probably second time was hardest. Mm. What people want to hear if they're maybe have had it once and thinking they want to try it again. Um, but having a toddler and trying to cope was really tough. Um, and my husband ended up having to take time off work because I just I couldn't get out of bed the second time either and was having to go to hospital for IV fluids and, and the drugs again. Um, and I couldn't I couldn't stand the smell of her. That's really hard. Mm. Um, but yeah, her her movement or her smell would trigger it, and I would start being sick. And one of my worst memories was um, them coming upstairs, and I was just in a cycle. I couldn't stop being sick. And I remember my husband sitting on the bed and just rubbing my back, and I was just being sick, and I couldn't catch my breath. And she just started rubbing my back too. And just thinking, oh, what am I doing to her? What am I doing to them? It's it's a a really lonely journey. It's really, really tough. Mm. And I really, yeah. And you mentioned ages ago when we were first having a chat about this on one of our lovely Greendale walks. Um, (laughs) Um, that you decided to have a second baby whilst your toddler was young enough to yeah. not necessarily remember what effect it was having yeah. on you or her to yeah. remember. Yeah, and we did, we had those conversations. So when we decided that we did really, really want a second child, but I, I can't remember the statistics, but knowing that there was a very, very high chance that I would get again she wouldn't she wouldn't remember it but it's still really hard and like when she's calling mummy and I couldn't even lift my head mm. it just it does eat you up but she doesn't remember it she's got no idea that I was poorly mm. she's never held it against me even though I remember thinking she's always gonna hate me <laughs> forget this but because you do don't you in those dark moments you punish yourself because that's what we're really good at mm. But she's got no idea. And most of the time, she really, really, really loves her sister. And I think she's very grateful for the fact that she's not grown and she has her. Mm. So I would, it's really hard to say, I would 100% do it again. But it was incredibly, incredibly tough. Mm. Do you think you will do it again? No. (laughs) (laughs) Two is plenty anyway, but... couldn't put I couldn't put my husband through it again I couldn't put myself through it again and I couldn't put the girls through it again Mm. so how did it affect you mentally um first time I felt quite looking back I felt quite resilient I just thought right this is what's this is my journey I've just got to it will be so worth it I'm just gonna keep going stay in bed and it, it will get better and at the end of it, there'll be a baby and I'll be okay. And and that really got me through the first time. Mm. The time I really, really struggled mentally. Because you knew what was coming. I knew what was coming. Um, I had a um, toddler to look after and I really felt really guilty that I was not with her. Um, and I couldn't see... I didn't know when it was going to end because mm. there's every chance it. Nobody can reassure you. None of the doctors, none of the consultants I could see would, could say, "Go on, keep going," because when you get to 24 weeks, you'll feel better. Mm. Well, there's a chance you might feel better next week, or you might still be really poorly when you give birth. But then it hopefully oh. it'll improve after that. And oh God! In a dark, when you're in that place, that feels like a long time away. Yeah. Um. So mentally it got really, really, really tough and it's really lonely when you're like, you can't, I didn't like movement, I didn't like light, there was no no safe foods for me so it was just a case of being in a dark room, listening to the noise going on downstairs, not being able to get up and see husband or toddler. 
I feel really bad I'm painting it to be it's not helpful if people are struggling you're giving an honest picture and I think sharing your story in this honest way will help people who are struggling because they'll know that they're very much not alone and Mm. I think it's really I know way down in my questions I've got written down to ask you you know how did your did were your friends understanding or were your um, you know, parents or just acquaintances. I know we talked about work, work, but it's really hard to understand it. I think until you've actually been through it yourself. I remember when you first told me, and you know, I'd heard of it, but I'd never actually heard of anyone's story of going through it. So it was, you know, I, I probably seemed like I brushed it off because I didn't know the full extent no, of what someone goes through with HG. You can't at all, and it's just. It's a lonely, I think that's the hardest thing. It's so lonely. So it's horrible being sick 50 plus times a day. That's horrible. But it, it was the loneliness um, and being kind of trapped with only your head in a dark room for weeks and then when you feel so poorly that I found really, really tough. Because it's not even, it's not even like you're lying down in bed that you feel fine so you can have visitors and someone to come and chat no. with you. I mean, you really can't even do that. I couldn't, at most, at, like, really bad points, I couldn't use my phone, so I couldn't even use that to kind of chat to people. I couldn't, there was just, a te- I couldn't watch telly. There was no, kind of no escape. Podcasts tended to be something because you could put them on in the backgrounds and have them just to listen to. Um, but, it, yeah, it's a, it's a lonely, lonely place. And it, this time it took me to some hard it's really hard to talk about and I've said to you before I haven't spoken to I've spoken to my husband obviously he was very much part of it and my best friend and my parents but because it's really uh it takes you to some really hard places Mm. and I wasn't sure this time I really wasn't sure I could have at points that I could continue with the pregnancy and that's so hard to say now when the baby monitor's next to me and I'm looking at the baby that was that pregnancy. Mm. Um, but I think on one of my, on one of the hospital admissions that we went in, I'd had a reaction to some of the medication and it had taken all of the skin off the top of my mm. mouth, swollen up. I was so dehydrated that I was saying to my husband, I thought I was going to die. And I remember the doctor coming in and just said, I just don't want to do this anymore. I just... I just want to feel like me again. And I I just want to be mum again. Um, and that's really hard because, you know, we, we'd planned this pregnancy. I'd, I knew I was going to probably be poorly. But life around me felt like it was just, I don't know, falling apart and it was my it felt like it was my fault it was my body that was causing all these problems um and somebody's telling you as well that there is an option Mm. way to make it all stop if it's that if it's getting that bad but uh, then what do you do and we had really long hard conversations about actually is this is this pregnancy the right thing for us and um and I chatted to my husband last night about whether we share this part or not and I think it's really important because actually just I spent a lot of time beating myself up just by thinking about it and how can you punish yourself for a thought and a discussion but we do and then when I heard that other people had had the same thoughts and uh, the same discussions, it made it easier. And I think I read something earlier that one in well, 10% of HD pregnancies are terminated, which is really hard, isn't it? But I can 100% see why people feel they can't go on. Mm. Being a mum can be magical, but also really hard. Research shows it makes all the difference when we feel supported, held and understood. The Nourish app is a wellbeing app created by mums for mums, offering a self-care toolkit and support team in your pocket. 
It was created by Sarah Campin, mum of two, after her own struggles in motherhood and her transformational journey with self-care. Sarah knows just how hard it is for us mums to put our own needs into the equation and look after our mental health, but also what a positive impact it can have on the whole family. She's on a mission to make self-care easier and more accessible for us mums. The Nourish app is an on-demand library of unique meditation videos and quick reads across mindfulness, yoga nidra, psychology and much more, all tailored to the emotions and challenges we face as mums, all created by a team of well-being experts who are mums themselves. Try Nourish to de-stress, restore and reboot and find more love, joy and calm in the chaos and pressures of mum life. Self-care isn't selfish. It's essential for our own happiness and our little ones reap the rewards. Nourish was named App of the Day by Apple and is free to download and explore on iOS and Android. Check it out at thenourishapp.com. Your husband was clearly a huge support through all of this. Um, Incredible, yeah. And the communication that you both have with each other and that openness in your relationship must have really, really helped. He was my rock. He was just... I, I, I couldn't have asked for more. And when we were talking about it last night, he was saying how hard it was because he would come up and see me and we'd have a chat and I'd say, no, come on, I can do this. I can 100% do this and we can go... I'm, I'm just going to dig deep. I'm going to get through this and it will be okay and toddler is fine you, you know this is he's he's doing fine downstairs with the, her and it's working it's okay and then he said he'd come up a couple of hours later and I'd be begging him and saying please don't make me do this and he said like that pendulum swinging was just for him really really difficult because he said he just wanted to support me and he was 100% behind me in whatever decision but it was, you know, it, it is his pregnancy too. It's not just mine. And he was emotionally involved in it. And he said I found that, he just found that really tough, that kind of back and forth. And also there's no support really for partners. Mm. I mean, I could reach out to the charity and they could help me, but there was not really anywhere for him to turn. And especially the first time when we decided to keep it a secret like you're technically supposed to I mean the second time he was able to talk about it a bit more openly because we had to tell work we had to tell family because we needed help mm. um so he had a few more people to talk to but it was yeah really really tough for him um and I'm just incredibly grateful for how well he looked after me and toddler and kept everything spinning and just yeah I'm very lucky to have that support oh um and with the second pregnancy so of course that happened with the first as well um and the husband was a really good support but with the second pregnancy yeah. do you feel like it took your husband longer to connect with the pregnancy because he knew what you had to go through and it was painful for him to watch you go through everything and did, did that have any effect when baby was actually born so I think it took him I think he like I did we both detached ourselves for a long time from the pregnancy as kind of a protection because we didn't know whether we were going to see it through and then I think once we decided actually no come on we're, we're doing this this is you know you have a cutoff point anyway but we just we made our own cutoff point we spoke to professionals made that decision they all stepped in to say that they supported that and they would help us and then I think we both made tried to make a bit of a conscious effort to to try and bond with with baby and um it's had no impact at all since since she's arrived um he's he dotes on her like he does. They're, they're both going to be daddy's girls. <laughs> but I do. They're proper daddy's girls. We have this conversation lots, don't we, Emma? That we do. The third wheel. In oh, our... my God. So <laughs> much so. So um, much so. Yeah. 
My girls are definitely going to be daddy's girls, I think. <laughs> Literally every morning now. I don't get a look in. Amandine calls for Hendrick in the morning, and then she um, she only ever wants Hendrick, and if I've gone out with her in the morning, she's so excited to go back and see Hendrick. And I'm like, I want to feel that. <laughs> I, w- I walk into um, Todd's bedroom every morning, and she goes, today's daddy day? <laughs> day is not a daddy day, it's a mummy day. I know. She's <laughs> just like, oh, tomorrow daddy day? All right, I get the point. <laughs> we can't win can we we can't win so you mentioned about the charity that you um sought support from and of course all your consultants and your doctors is there anyone else who you would recommend um seeking support from or any online connection apps or anything like that that you found so definitely the charity this with the second pregnancy they put me in touch with a peer supporter who was amazing she she's they tried to match you with somebody in your area who has been through a similar experience to you so she had also had two hd pregnancies um she knew the local hospital um and she was just there as somebody who really could empathize because like you said i i wouldn't have known anything about it beforehand and telling people that you feel really sick is People go, oh, yeah, of course, that must be really hard. But somebody who's been there and is at the end of the phone, so you can text them and say, having a really, really bad day, and they can text you back and say, yeah, I've been there. And that really helped. So I definitely recommend reaching out to them. Um, the, there is a film, which I know I've sent to you, a link to you before when we've when you've done like Q&As and things called Sick and that's on Prime and I think it's also on the web, the charity website. It's a hard watch. It's half an hour, but it's um, it's a very true reflection of HG. Um, and possibly, it, I like, I kind of enjoyed, not enjoyed, that's the wrong word, but I liked that it gave me somebody to relate to mm. and it made me feel alone especially in those thoughts about um, termination and things like that. They really, they cover that really well. So I think it's it's good if you're suffering and you want somebody, you want to feel like you're not alone. Maybe it's a good thing to watch. But also if you have friends and family who you don't think quite get it, it might be worth a share. Mm. Did you feel distanced from your family and friends at the time you were going through it because there was just no way that they could understand? Yeah, 100%. Mm. It's, that's, I think, like I've said, that's the hardest, or for me, that was the hardest thing was the loneliness. Mm. Um, so if there's a friend listening right now who has a friend who has HG, what would you recommend to the friend of the person that had HG to do for support? It's so hard. I think if if they've got other children that offer to come and, well, you can't even do that in the moment. That's the hard, like, I really, really feel for people suffering at the moment with lockdowns Mm. friends and family for looking after toddlers or older children is a lifeline so that would be my first kind of thing and then I think it's just letting them know you're there um I've got a friend at the moment who's going through it and it's her second pregnancy as well she reached out really early and said look I'm really struggling and like my first instinct was to say you've got this, there's a baby at the end, I promise you it's worth it, because hand on the heart, I really feel it is worth it. But then I also know that some days, knowing there's a baby at the end of it isn't enough. Mm. People, I found that hard when I was getting lots of them, when I did open up to some friends and they were saying, oh, there's going to be a really, really cute baby. That wasn't enough some days Mm. through. And it's so hard, isn't it, to know what the right thing to say is. If somebody tells you they've got HD, don't recommend ginger. (laughs) (laughs) Have a ginger biscuit, that'll sort it out. Yeah, that's like an ongoing joke between on HD forums and things, is the number of times somebody says to you, have you tried a ginger biscuit? And you're like, oh, yeah. If only I knew it was that simple. If only I thought of that. Um, Don't suggest a ginger biscuit, that would be a top tip. I didn't even find that ginger biscuits or any form no. of ginger helped me this time around. And, I mean, I'm not even on your level whatsoever, but Nobody I felt worse than I did with Amandine. The ginger biscuit yeah. certainly wasn't cutting that. 
No. We, I, in New York, we literally went to every shop that we could find to try and find ginger products because I was like, oh, that will make it better. Everyone says ginger makes it better. No, I didn't touch it. Um, we just spent an absolute fortune on <laughs> I hope your husband likes ginger. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really hard. I would, if you're listening and you know the, yeah, just I would reach out to the charity or ask them to reach out to, to the charity and just ask them if there's anything you can do. Mm. Hard because people struggle in their own ways. And mm. my two were very, like, my two pregnancies, I found it were so different, really, how I felt mentally. And did you feel, did HD go away directly after birth? Or did it take, or did it, sorry, did it go away kind of 25 weeks? Or was it the same amount of time in both pregnancies that it went? Is what I'm really trying to ask. Yeah. No, it was, it was fairly similar for me. So probably by third trimester, I was starting to ease off medication. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was controlled by medication during the later stages of the second trimester. Um, so no more hospital visits and things. And then I was able, by the end of the pregnancies, I'd weaned myself off the medication mm-hmm. Have you been left with any physical, obviously mental, but any physical issues or gut issues or stomach issues, anything like that from your HG? No, I was. Uh, I don't know about my teeth because we can't really see a dentist at the moment. So after the first uh, pregnancy, I ended up having um, x-rays and things on the damage that it done to my teeth from the constant vomiting Um and was told that I needed, I would need to get that checked again if I ever had HG again, which I have, but then we haven't really been able to see dentists. So I need to get that checked. Um, not lasting effects. At the time, I lost a lot of hair. Um, which I guess is because I wasn't getting the nutrition that I needed. And obviously a lot of weight at the time. Um, I've made up for that since. <laughs> um but no, so for me, luckily, no, but people do. Um, I know another lady who lost all her eyebrows. Um, mm. I have heard that hair is one of the first things to go when you're yeah. nutrient deficient. Yeah. I think you told me that as well when I yeah. was going through the first 12 weeks and I was saying, my hair's falling yeah, out, it's not falling out. I remember saying to you, because, yeah, I was eating and I was literally pulling clumps of hair out, which mm. is... Yeah, it's not. It's really hard because I, I hope I don't want HG to take. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to think what I'm trying to say, but I hate the thought that HG could have taken our baby away because mm. she's a hundred percent worth it. And for her, I would do it all over again. But I wouldn't do it again. Yeah another pregnancy if that makes sense yeah if you knew it was her at the end you would do it again yeah and some, um, I saw a counsellor afterwards because it does take a massive toll every time I look at her and feel an ounce of guilt she said to me say you didn't want your pregnancy to end you wanted your HG to end mm. and who can blame you mm. and I remember thinking okay that's true she said why and she and she said to me I've I've counselled women who had have gone through years and years of fertility treatment and then had a termination because of HG mm. who can blame them mm. it's so debilitating and she said so you, you should never beat yourself up for wanting or for ending a pregnancy with HG because it's horrible and so it just takes over mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Um, I know it must be really, really difficult reliving all of that. So thank you. Um, so let's go on to the next topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, fun stuff. <laughs> the fun stuff. <laughs> as, as my wonderful, wonderful friend with two little ones, um, yeah. and having this amazing opportunity of actually chatting with you on the podcast, um, yeah. I know myself and a lot of listeners are eager to know how mm-hmm. you do it. So how do you manage with two children and what's changed for you and 
we'll get into more detailed questions, but essentially what's changed? Uh, so life is busier. I think that's a fair, yeah, fair reflection. Life is busier. Um, what's changed? I can't remember life with just one anymore. Really? Was it easier yeah, going from zero to one or one to two? So husband and I discussed this last night and we both feel that it's been 100% easier for us going from one to two than when we started with just the one. Um, but then I've heard other people say differently. So this is only our experience. But baby has just kind of slotted in really nicely. We're very lucky. She's very, very laid back um, most of the time. She's just, yeah, she's a little star. Um mm. And I think actually with lockdown, it's given Todger a little bit of company and especially now that she's, um, as baby's getting older and more mobile and um, gives her a bit more back. Um, she's a bit, I don't know, the bond between them is magical. Oh, um, so how, you to see it. how did Todger <laughs> react to a new baby coming into the world? Um, we again we've been really lucky she's just been a star from day one um it was a strange introduction because obviously because of covid mm. um I wasn't allowed I had to be on postnatal unit on my own so I was in for a few days because they wanted to monitor baby um so we went from being together with the toddler all the time because of lockdown to mummy then just vanishing for a few days and then appearing on the phone with this baby <laughs> Um, and then coming home with the baby, but she just she to it. She we had we we bought her a doll, and I know you've discussed this before. So we bought her a doll and talked to her about that there was a baby in mummy's tummy, um, and we used to practice putting the nappy on the baby. And I had the Moses basket out for a good month or so, I think, before baby was due in our bedroom. And every morning she'd come up and she'd check to see if the baby. Aww. It was so cute. Um, and she'd practice putting her baby in the, co- in the Moses basket. Um, yeah, and then I just remember her coming down from nap time when I'd got home from the hospital. She, she came down from nap time and, the, and looked in the Moses basket and the baby was there. Oh, how cute. Um, and she's taken to it really, really well. We ha- we obviously have moments. So mm-hmm. to me, um, baby started to whinge a little bit and she was sat on my lap and she said, no, my mummy. Oh. And I said, well, no, I'm both your mummy. Um, but so we have moments, but on the whole, she's just taken to it really, really well. We did lots of talking about it and she's just kind of accepted it. But again, she was quite young mm. videos now and she was only just talking. And, mm. and um, when you're feeding um, baby, how did you find toddler reacted to that? Did you, especially in the very, very early days, because, of course, they feed so much, don't they, that you very rarely have much spare time to do anything else? That's probably, that was probably the biggest struggle. So we were really lucky that um, we, my husband and I are both teachers and baby was born two days before the end of term in the summer. So he managed two days of what was remote learning as well then and then was able to be with us for a good few weeks. So having him there helped because he was able to distract her, which I know doesn't help many people because they won't have that. But before um, before she arrived, I put together like a box of independent activities, mm. all new for toddler. Um, and a lot of the time that helped. So they were lit, that, that box was just for me when I was feeding. And she wasn't allowed to take things from that unless I was feeding. But they were all exciting and new. Um, so she could use those. And that was quite good because it they were all things she could get on with her, on her own or next to me on the sofa. Can you give us some examples? Um, what do we have in there? We had like an etch, etch, etch a sketch. Mm-hmm. One of those. The... Uh, water painting books oh god I love those yeah stickers stickers were my saviour loads and loads of sticker books and the reusable stickers so that kind of thing um flashcards mm-hmm. fun things that I could use whilst being sat on the sofa 
Um, but again, just things that were new, and then they would go back in that box. Mm-hmm. So like a special box of toys. But it, it that is that was a juggle. Mm. Not, that was probably the hardest part for me. Mm. But I was on my own. I was trying to do the feeding. Um, but I've heard, you know again we I've heard stories of toddlers trying to pull babies off and things like that, which. I was lucky she never did that, but it, yes, that is tricky. Mm. I think they do get used to it. And you did a lot of prep before baby arrived. Yeah. So loads of batch cooking, that kind of thing. So I knew that she would still be fed well and... Um, and explaining loads to toddler about what was going to happen and what your day looked like did did you explain like new routines and things like that it's really I don't think we did because at the point I'm trying to think she was 20 months old when baby arrived okay. her language skills were coming on but they were still quite new mm. um, things were all over the place anyway because we were in lockdown mm. so everything felt different to what she was used to um but we I think we tried to keep to her routine as much as mm. possible. So she was in a good routine and we kept to that um, and have done all along. So life for her hasn't changed too much. Um, and like I said, baby's kind of had to slot into her routine more than anything else so that life is quite normal for her. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I would suggest. <laughs> <laughs> And toddler doesn't go to nursery yet because nope. of COVID. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, I know that Amandine, to be honest, Amandine would probably be on her way if it wasn't for COVID, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, do you have any future nursery plans? Yeah, so also the nursery that we've picked is attached to the school that we work in. Oh, nice. Children until they're two and a half. So she's not quite old enough anyway. So we'd kind of got in our minds that she would go there. Um, so, yes, yeah, so she will join that nursery when she's two and a half. Um, and I will probably be working. Well, I will be working again then, um, which will be interesting because she'll be in the same school and think she's very excited. So will baby also go to that nursery? No, because so, they're two no, and a half. No, can't go to that nursery Baby's going to go to my parents if I'm at work. Um, But I'm also thinking that I might, or we're discussing whether we might put toddler in for a bit bit more as well so that I can have some time with baby that I've just not had, Mm. especially because of COVID. There's not been anybody, like my toddler would normally go to my mum and dad's um, and things like that, which would have given me time with baby on my own, which I've just not had because that's just not possible. So I'm hoping that that might give us a bit more time together. Mm. And whenever daddy takes toddler out, baby is always looking for toddler and like (laughs) lost without her now. That's so so sweet. Little sidekicks. Do you find that baby's development is a little bit more speedy because she's watching toddler? Feels like it, but I don't know if it's just, everything just seems to be whizzing around. But Mm. like I said, when I'm, and said she's crawling it's like I it felt like ages before toddler started to crawl and now yeah the baby's crawling already and and she's starting to pull herself up she definitely she wants everything Mm. that's got she wants to be in the action she wants to follow um we have drama at the moment because she loves her Mm. like the walk on wheels but she can pick up some speed now. <laughs> seeing her sister, um, and we tend to get a few like, "No, mummy." Um, That's so sweet. Dramatic. So, what does your average day look like? What's your average? I know it's average COVID day. What does your average COVID day look like? So they baby tends to wake up first, and then, but I'm not allowed to go and get this. Yeah. I'm not allowed to go and get the baby without the toddler. So if I go in, so after toddlers ask whether it's a daddy day, she wants to know, she wants to go and get her sister. So I have to go and get my toddler first and then she comes in to get toddler, uh, to get the baby up. And then and is a baby and toddler in different rooms now? 
they're in separate rooms mm-hmm. and baby's on her own, in her own room now um so yeah she has to go and get her up and help me get her dressed and then we all have breakfast and then I try to go for a walk I'm finding it really hard in this lockdown mm. or I was kind of meeting we were doing our nice Greendale walks and things mm. and when people that I could meet I found it much easier I do find it really hard on my own mm. um but we try to get outside and then they both um and that normally ties with their morning nap for the baby um and then we try uh, they both go for a lunch after lunch nap together like they are at the moment mm-hmm. yay <laughs> Which, and that's been a lifesaver because them both sleeping at the same time is lovely mm. it really so how do you go about putting them both down at the same time that must be kind of tricky <sighs> yeah it's taken a lot of trial and error and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't work depends how tired baby is whether she's managed her morning nap whether she's dropped it it is a juggling act um i i am quite routine driven so um toddler was in quite a good routine and i followed a similar routine with with baby so she's just kind of slotted in and it has worked quite well so they do now sleep for about two hours at the same time at lunchtime Mm. and you put baby down first or toddler down first so I put toddler down first. So we all got upstairs. It is like a military... I'm really intrigued to know how you do it because it in my head, I literally just can't uh, imagine how you do it. it. Yeah, it is a military operation. So because husband is normally out, he works long hours. So so lunchtime nap, I take them both upstairs and we have a story together in toddler's bedroom. And then she goes down in her cot and she often plays with her teddies for a good five, ten minutes on her own, quite happily. And while she's doing that, I go into baby's room and give her some milk and then and then put her down and she'll go down um, now. But that's taken seven months to get to that mm. kind of sweet spot, which they'll probably steal from me next week and decide they both don't want a nap anymore. <laughs> I never, ever get kind of like, yay, I've cracked it, because... Mm. You say that, you know they're going to take it away from you, don't you? Mm. And then bedtime, how does that work? Yeah, bedtime is bedtime is always fine if um, if husband walks through the door if they're while they're in the bath or just before. Mm-hmm. It's always a bit trickier if he's not home, which is normally once or twice a week. Um, so they have their tea and a bit of downtime, and then we go upstairs. And they have a bath, which they love bath time together. Aww. Their favourite time of day. They absolutely love bath time, um, both of them. They just think it's... They just play and play and play. It's really lovely to watch and giggle. And Aww. It's probably my favourite time of the day. It's just that then I know what's coming. Uh, <laughs> so they have a lovely, lovely bath time. And then I normally, if I'm on my own, I'll get baby out and then get her dressed and dried off in the bathroom while I'm watching toddler in the bath and then let her play on like her jungle and while she's playing I get toddler out and get her ready for bed then they have a story and I do milk um and then put baby down and then take toddler into her room and put her down after that but most of the time husband's home so we can share it which is much much easier because we take one each. So That's together, amazing. We take one each. And that is easier. Because it's the milk, trying to get baby to drink milk, because she gets distracted really, really, really easily. Mm. Um, and it's just exciting. If her sister's in the room, she doesn't really want to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Whereas them, they tend to calm down quite quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, lots of trial and error. And I don't think I've quite cracked it yet, but... It sounds like you have. Sounds like you. Well, I know you're doing an amazing job. You well, are doing an amazing job. <laughs> I'm trying to create a room for Amandine, or I'm trying to like think about redoing her bedroom. So, because obviously she'll be a little bit older by the time yeah. uh, number two arrives. I'm trying to really create amazing uh, bed plans yesterday. Pardon? 
So you're amazing bed hunters. Don't quite jealous. Oh, right, it could go so wrong because Hendrik, Hendrik is like, I'm not helping you with that bed. I've got enough of my own projects. I'm like, mm-hmm. okie dokie. I know. Well, my friend had sent me, she sent me like a link to Etsy shops and she was like, there's loads of those types of beds around. I was like, I know, but none of them are exactly what we need. Like, I don't want bed guards on because I've read some pretty bad things about them. And I want it lifted off the floor just a little bit so we can squeeze another single mattress underneath if we need to. Um, Because if Hendrik's parents come stay, we need an extra mattress. Um, And last time we just sold... It was ridiculous, such a waste of money, but we bought it and then literally sold it straight away and slept on it for like five nights and then sold the mattress. So I was like, well, if I can build a bed where I can actually fit a single mattress underneath, then that solves that problem. And I want it to be delicate, but strong, because I want to be able to sleep on it too. <laughs> nice. I have all of you to be doing while you're pregnant, Emma. I'm doing it all whilst I'm pregnant, yeah. Mm. I was looking at Hendrik chopping some wood today, being like, right, that saw doesn't look that hard to use. But it's like one of those massive electric swords. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sure I can do it. I'm sure I can do it. You'll be so proud when you've done it. That's what you would have. Well, that's the thing, and I don't think it should be too difficult. It's really just a frame. It's just Um, maths isn't my strong point. So (laughs) I was trying to work out. Good luck. (laughs) I was trying to work out the pictures. I look forward to seeing the pictures. I know know, of the disaster. I was trying to work out the pitch of the roof. Um, Hendrik definitely had to help me with that. And he was like, right, we need to find X squared. So, oh God, okay. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Good luck. laughs> I just think, do I have any other questions? Oh, yes, this is a very important question. What do you do for you, for your self-care? What do you do for you to keep yourself sane? Do you do anything? Again, it's hard, isn't it? With COVID, it's really hard. So my sane point was lovely walks around Greendale with friends and that kind of thing was my go-to mm. because it was easy for me to do it whilst I had to um and then the past few weeks I found it really hard actually um so I set myself a challenge two weeks ago to walk 10,000 steps a day and that was for me and it's really silly and it's not it's much, not silly it's not much of an achievement but it gives me something every morning that I get up and think right for me I'm going to walk 10,000 steps today and often it's in the lounge in front of a workout or something like that when the girls are when they're distracted for 10 minutes playing really nicely I think right okay 10 minutes me let them play I don't need to join in for a minute but actually it's been really good it's given me something so at the moment is my 10,000 steps but it's hard I'm really lucky again my husband is very very supportive and of a weekend He's very quick to jump in and say, look, shall I take them out? Do you want me to take them for a walk? Do you want to... I'm not very good at saying no. Mm. <laughs> love the weekends being all together. Mm. And it's a balancing act, isn't it? Because he'll say, go on, go and have some new time. I think, well, no, actually, I'd really, really like to be all together because it's a new dynamic, isn't it, when you're all together? and mm. um, But it is really important and I should do it more. But... Definitely, the ten thousand set today has just given me something for me mm. and a bit of control feedback, which I really like. Mm. So, but it's so it's so important, um, and I don't do enough of it. Hendrik isn't mm. so quick to step in and say, "Do you want to do? Do you want to have some me time? Do you want to relax?" <laughs> But I do get it that when he does, and when he does take Amandine out, I have massive FOMO, and I'm like, oh, I want to be with them. Really true, isn't it? It's so silly. Mm, mm. Ridiculous. I and then you go with them, and like, why am I not at home right now, relaxing? Exactly that. That absolutely summarizes it. Yeah. I'll go to the park and be like, oh, I could just be at home now on my own in the bath. Mm-hmm. But I chose to come here, but I do love it. <laughs> so strange. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, do you have anything else that you would like to share with listeners today? Thank you so much for sharing what you have shared already. Um, no, I don't think so. I hope that the start of our conversation wasn't too dark and sad. And um, she's been 100% worth it, but I also 100% get if people are struggling and just reach out mm. and ask for help and 
I promise you'll come through and it, it will be okay. Whatever, it will be okay. Um, and you never know. One day they might create a cure for HG and that would be amazing. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, thank you, baby. Like you, I'm just gonna actually. I'm gonna add. Um, I just. I'm so excited for what you've got to come because it is magical. <laughs> I'm pleased you are. That's the other one. Is don't panic because I spent a lot of my second pregnancy as well thinking, how am I ever gonna love a baby as much as I love my first? Mm. My the love for my first has grown and changed because I see her as a sibling now, and I definitely, definitely love my second just as much. Oh, I think, I mean, I, I think because I've been told so many times by, you know, you and friends that you will love your second just as much. I think Hendrik's really struggling with that. Like thinking he's really disconnected from this pregnancy. Um, I think because it was a real struggle, he's really disconnected from the pregnancy and he keeps saying things like, no, that's your baby. This is my child right here. like you can't pick she's mine too yeah, really, yeah it is really hard but I, I think I think like when we we saw you didn't we before all these lockdowns and my husband said to yours okay it'll be all right and mm. not so hard and and watching him with both it took longer I think because he was constantly with the toddler mm. and I would be because that's just how it works when you're feeding um but yeah they're like I said they're daddy's girls through and through so I know he'll come right as well. I know Hendrik will, yeah, it'll all be good. And he, he'll definitely love them both just as much. Oh, he doesn't have a choice. <laughs> very true. Very, very true. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing your experience. And it will have helped so, so many, so many people, whether they have HG and are going through something similar or don't have it, but are now aware of it when one of their friends does or... Um, really really helpful thank you so much and thank you for giving me an insight and listeners an insight into how you do too with being such a busy mum and I'm sure all mums out there can appreciate this having a one-stop shop for all your vitamins needs are a must these days when little ones are running riot Nutrivita is that place all their products are sourced and manufactured in the UK therefore the quality assurance is second to none no nasties I currently take a pregnancy supplement. However, when I'm not pregnant, I like to take vitamin C, vitamin D, B12 and B6. Nutrivita offer all of these. They even have vitamin D baby drops for our little ones. The vitamin world can be a daunting place to enter. However, with Nutrivita's super easy and informative website, it's a breeze to pick up all of your supplements in one click. I found the customer service team super helpful in assisting me with any queries too. So if you're a little stuck with what you need or where to go for you and your family's supplements, make sure you check these guys out via www.nutravita.co.uk. And for 15% off, enter mumtalk15 at the checkout. I want to say a huge, huge thank you to Charlotte for coming on the podcast today and sharing with us her incredibly honest account of her experience. That conversation was not easy to have for Charlotte and I know just how painful saying some of those things out loud were for her. So I really want to say a huge thank you Charlotte I truly believe you will have helped so many listeners who have been through the same or are going through the same to know that they're not alone to feel supported that their thoughts are valid and thank you just thank you and I want to say thank you to you on behalf of the listener. Now, just before we go, I want to share with you, I had so many direct messages to my Instagram after you guys listening to last week's podcast about Amandine's bed and Hendrik making the bed and the mattress and the Little Green Sheep Company. Now, they kindly sent us a mattress and I'm really, really pleased to be working with them because I truly do believe that they are a fantastic company and I would never recommend or share anything with you that I don't truly believe in myself. So let's finish with this lovely ad that we put together for you all, sharing a little more information about the brand and the mattresses. I hope this will answer a bunch of your questions that I've been getting. 
Given babies sleep on average 14 hours a day catching their Zs, creating a natural sleeping environment is a top priority. A natural mattress will ensure they are resting in a pure and healthy environment, free from toxins and harmful chemicals, and will create the right setting for a naturally full night's sleep. A brand which we personally love and use for Amandine, dedicated to creating the most natural environment for families, is award-winning The Little Green Sheep. With their range of lovingly handmade mattresses, the brand has been championing the importance of a natural night's sleep for well over a decade. We chose the Little Green Sheep Natural Mattress for Amandine because it is free from nasties, naturally hypoallergenic, creating a clean and dry environment that's resistant to dust mites and bacterial growth. It's breathability helping with temperature regulation and sweat wicking and its natural ingredients. There are a variety of sizes to choose from, including specific branded cot sizes plus a custom-made option. The Little Green Sheep also have a stunning range of Moses baskets, sleeping bags, blankets and much more. Head to www.thelittlegreensheep.co.uk for more information. So thank you so much for listening and a big thank you to our friends at Nourish and Nutrivita for supporting today's podcast. Next week is the last episode of this series and I'm going to let you guys decide what you'd like to hear. So make sure you are following over at Mum Talk Podcast on Instagram and I'm going to pop up questions and polls for you all there. Please do leave a review, subscribe and rate. It really helps other mums to find the series and be supported by our wonderful community. Lots of love and I'll catch up with you next week.